Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the doctor as she travels the vortex. Grab your walk. It's time for some pan-fried Santarans in episode 506. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? Pretty good. We walk for you. We're going we're gonna to walk right out of here. <laughs> it's time to walk and roll. <laughs> Pretty good. How about you guys? Who are they on? Not bad. <laughs> so, somebody's, about thumbs it up. <laughs> somebody's tired. Always. Did you guys do anything this week? We actually went to the movies. We did too. Went and saw Eternals. So did we. What do you think? I loved it. Um, it's not without its problems. It's got some issues. I don't think we can talk too much about it because Sean hasn't seen all of it. <laughs> um, but uh, it's through a bizarre series of circumstances beyond my control. <laughs> it uh, that probably pains you too to have to walk up out of that walk out of that. Oh I, well, Mel even kind of gave me the. Do you just want to stay and 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 I'll go and and pick her up. And I could tell she wasn't really thrilled with that option. <laughs> and I thought about it very briefly. And then it was like, no, let's just, let's just bolt and we'll, we'll make another attempt at this. We had to, we, we picked the wrong time to go see this movie. Didn't realize it was as long as it was. And then realized we had to go pick up shy from the bus stop. So uh, we left before the end. Uh, um, but again, it's not without its problems. It's a very ambitious film that I think there were some things that could have been changed about it. Um, I think the deviants probably could have been redone a little bit. And I don't think there was any reason, although it was a nice fan nod for those of us that know who he is and who he's going to be Dane, the Dane Whitman character. Uh, but it was really useless because they either should have had Dane be our POV and had him go with them. Although then I wouldn't have gotten uh, Kingu's uh, valet, which I absolutely loved, was a great part of the movie. Yeah. But he ended up being our surrogate POV for a, a good chunk of the film. And so I think they could have either had Dane Whitman go and be that POV or have him go and be that POV, the, the valet go and be the POV and then do away with the Whitman character. But I was I was jazzed because of some of the things they did with Whitman, but I'm, I can't... I can't uh, I can't disclose any further on that. So, yeah, I mean, he kind of served as the the emotional anchor a little bit for, and the you know part of why Circe loves Earth so much uh, aspect of things, and it did feel a lot like he was there for future developments. Yeah, yeah. Like this is just a a, a small piece of the beginning of his storyline. Yeah. My biggest complaint with it is probably that it just feels a little overstuffed. Uh, it, yeah, uh, that, that a is little, its a little too many characters. Yeah, I think it would have been, I think it could have been an absolutely fantastic miniseries. Really, spending each time with each individual Eternal, digging into it, I think that would have been really cool. But that being said, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, it's. it's I didn't have a whole lot of niggles or complaints with it. It's either. it's different than your standard Marvel movie, and I. That's not a bad thing. It's no. nice to have something a little different. Um, and I think a lot of either the critics were hoping for something super drastically different, which this is not super drastically different, or they were hoping to have a standard Marvel movie, which it's not that either. It's somewhere in between, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's what I well, found. Game. That's what I found interesting about it is it does. It feels like a. It doesn't feel as much like a Marvel movie, but it still hits a lot of the same beats that Marvel films hit. And so I think you're right. It sort of lands somewhere in the middle. And it's not, it's, and it, 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 there's a lot of long sections of, well, there's a lot of sections of talking, 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 info dump, info dump. There's a lot of long sections where there's no talking and just kind of exploring the emotional character emotions with the characters and having the actors emotes where Marvel movies don't tend to do that a lot. They tend to, you know, let's talk, talk about their feelings and then go to action as opposed to showing us their feelings. Right. And I think that was a lot of Chloe Zhao's influence, I think on the film. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Without getting too far into the weeds, since I didn't see all of it. Um, if I were to make a comparison, I would say in a way it's similar to the new Dune in that it is a very big sprawling story stuffed full of characters. 
there's a ton of world building backstory uh, that's that's going on for them. But with Dune, I was never bored. Now, maybe that's because I've read the source material now. Whereas with the Eternals, I'm coming into this completely fresh and I don't know anything about any of these characters. Um, but I, I, I found my attention drifting and I found that it, it just wasn't holding me. Maybe I will have a different opinion once I see all of it. And we're, like I said, we're going to go back and, and, and check it out and see it in a fresh frame of mind. Yeah. I'm, see, and I, I'm going to try. I didn't have any, f- I didn't have any frame of reference for any of the characters and I was never bored through any of it. And I came at it from a different perspective. I, I had never read any of the Eternals comics back when I used to read comics. Um, but I, you know, other than whenever, you know, one of the Eternals or would cross over into, you know, show up in, in another book or title that I did read. Um, but I did just recently go back and pick up the Jack Kirby run, the original run. And um, it, it's it's not for everybody. I didn't quite enjoy it. And so I was a little apprehensive with this film. Um, now, a lot of the stuff they borrowed in this film, they borrowed from ideas, I think, from the Game and Run and the more recent uh, Kieran Gillen run uh, that, that's been done in the comics. So, like, some of the style and design and, and the concepts were mostly pulled from that. But they kept true to a lot of the ideals in the Kirby run. And I was really apprehensive because I thought, I don't know how they're going to pull this off just based on the, the stuff I'd read by Kirby. I hadn't read any of the newer stuff. And when I got in there and I realized, oh, okay, you guys really did a good job of keeping the spirit of these characters, um, but but making, you know, enough logical changes to make it fit in the MCU. So I, I, I came to it with that as well. I was like, okay, maybe my enjoyment was, was you know, uh, affected by the fact that I wasn't sure they could pull it off. And then for me, they did. So Sure, I get you. Yeah, I'm still looking forward to seeing it so that I can... Oh, How far movie. did you get into it? Um... I hesitate to say, but they had just done the reveal of the the um, Superman styled. Okay. okay. <laughs> the Icarus reveal. Icarus reveal. There you go. Gotcha. Enough okay. said. Enough said. Yep. Yep. I had issues with Richard Madden in the movie up until that point. <laughs> like yeah. I, I was not impressed by him. I did not think he was doing a good job, and then that that happened, and it flipped me on him. Um, I had read, or actually, a podcast that I listened to. Somebody had pointed out that Ned Stark, in the beginning of Game of Thrones, tells Jon Snow, "The next time I see you, you'll be all dressed in black." And in this, when Icarus shows up in London with Cersei and uh, Dane and uh, Sprite. Dane is wearing black, <laughs> all black. <laughs> and I thought, surely that's just coincidental. They didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> Maybe. It'd be nice if they did. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys watch anything else? I watched um, the Sparks Brothers documentary that Edgar Wright did. And this was one of those ones that I'd been seeing the previews for this movie. And I kept thinking, this is a mockument. It's got to be a mockumentary. I mean, the way that the, the trailers put together, I thought this is, they got a bunch of guys together and said, Hey, pretend this band was a band. And I, because I had never heard of them. Well, I thought I'd never heard of them, but I thought I have never heard of these guys. How, how have I been around for almost 50 years and never heard of these guys that whose careers spanned my entire lifetime? And it wasn't until I sat down and started watching the documentary that I went, oh, that's who that's by. Oh, that that song, yeah, I used to, because back in the day, I used to do, I, I was really into New Wave in the 80s, and I was into kind of, you know, alternative uh, 120 minutes type stuff, you know, alternative. Well, you know, back stuff. in your breakdance days. Well, no, that was, this was post-breakdance <laughs> days, but um, but I used to be into to New Wave heavy. And there were two or three songs in there that I was like, oh, my gosh, these used to be new wave staples when i was a kid and i totally had no i didn't put sparks together i actually i'm not even sure i knew that the songs were by sparks and so but the 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 movie is terrific it's such a neat interesting um examination of their resilience through the years and how they continued to reinvent themselves without compromising any of their music throughout all of the years and if you haven't got a chance to see it i would i highly recommend it 
five out of five stars. It's so well crafted. It's so well done. And um, they're just two very, very interesting gentlemen. And not as, not as, um, what do I want to say, unique or not as uh, strange as the trailer makes them out to be. (laughs) (laughs) The trailer definitely makes it seem like they're kind of cut from the same cloth as uh, they might be giants and weird Al that they're yeah, almost more yeah. of a parody band. Um, and there is an element, uh, uh of that, I think, uh, to their music. Um, but I kind of, you know, was in the same boat. I had no idea who these people were. And then somewhere a quarter of the way through it, they did one of the albums and the song came up from that album. And I went, Oh, I think I have heard of that one. <laughs> But I, I was totally, I, I spent a lot of time on my phone during the documentary Googling, is this a real band? <laughs> because I'm still not sold. I, I kind of feel like, you know, it's Edgar Wright. You're pulling, you're pulling one over on me, right? Right. It's, it's, this is a, a VH1 staple that just never aired or something. But <laughs> no, they're real. But now, now, now I'm intrigued and I'm ready to, to, to go and sink a ton of money into sparks albums <laughs> i also watched an edgar wright film i went and saw the uh last night in soho i guess it's just last night in soho um starring uh 11th favorite matt smith, matt smith. Yeah. it is uh an interesting film it is uh, it, it's gorgeous the visuals in this film are uh edgar wright dialed up to 11 it's really kind of unparalleled how well it's put together in that regard. Um, and it's this very stylistically cool mystery that has some almost paranormal horror elements to it. Unfortunately, the paranormal horror elements, um, it, it kind of almost felt like that was a different film. Like, you know, it's just kind of a standard horror movie. And what they were doing was far more interesting than the standard horror film. <laughs> mm. And so it did, it, that part of it didn't quite mesh for me. I still really, really enjoyed it. I know it's, it's apparently kind of divisive among uh, the people that I've, I've seen some of the reviews for, but um, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was just really, really well done. And Matt Smith was great. He's still Matt Smith though. <laughs> well, he's always Matt Smith. I had, I had to laugh. There is a, a one scene in a, a, a nightclub where they dance and he, he comes out and he's got a, like almost a martini in one hand, a lit cigarette in the other. And I really half expected to see junk, drunken giraffe, <laughs> but uh, it, it, it was a different variation. So it wasn't quite there, but <laughs> I watched, um, went and saw uh, Venom, let there be carnage again, <laughs> enjoyed it again. The second time. That's just such a fun bonkers it movie. Fun bonkers movie. That's it. I've been. Oh, I started reading um, the Hawkeye run, and I can't remember who the guy that that kind of was the the book runner on that. But the the Hawkeye run that's exper- that uh, um, inspired the upcoming TV series. Some of the elements have been lifted from it, so and it is really good. I'm only about a third of the way through it. It's a, it's. I, I picked up the trade paperback, which collects everything, and it collects a few things in and around it too. Some of some young Avenger stuff, and because it sets up the Kate Bishop stuff in there, and then, uh, but but mostly the I think it was a nine issue series um, that they did, and then there I think there's some aftermath stuff at the end that's that's part of it as well. But it's it is so good. the 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 nine issue series especially is really really well done, really well written. So I think that's it. I downloaded a, uh, a paperback from Kindle that I bought that's uh, the Spider-Verse, uh, the whole Spider-Verse story. So I plan to read that before um, a certain date in December. <laughs> Coming up on it, aren't we? Yeah. Pretty soon. Anyway, did you guys do anything else other than watch a new mm-hmm. episode of Doctor Who? Oh, we started Star Trek Prodigy. Oh, how is that? It is wonderful. The, uh, it's the new, uh, computer animated kind of directed at kids, Nickelodeon Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, the first episode almost feels a little more Star Warsy, um, because there's a uh, kind of a lot of swashbuckling laser play and, uh, droids, 
but then it, it ends with a, a hook that kind of firmly cements it into the, the, the Star Trek universe. And the, the plot of this thing is that there's a, a group of uh, youngsters in a far quadrant of the galaxy that find a starship and uh, escape, <laughs> abscond with it. Uh, and uh, there's a, a holographic um, Janeway program <laughs> that is voiced by Kate Mulgrew. Yeah. Uh, who is kind of uh, giving them pointers uh, <laughs> on as, how to hijack a starship? <laughs> well, they, they they tell her that she that they are uh, you know cadets, and she's like, oh well, then you know all about how to do this, right? And they're like, maybe you could go over it again for us. <laughs> and she, you know, a, a, a digital cup of coffee materializes in her hand, and she's standing there on the bridge, and it's just kind of like I kind of have forgotten how much I missed Janeway, <laughs> so. <laughs> But um, it is really good so far. I mean, like I said, the, the first episode's a, kind of a two-parter because uh, it's a, an extra double length. And then, uh, three, so I, technically, we've seen three episodes of it now. But okay. it is really well done. Yeah, I saw some ads for it and thought it looked enjoyable. All right. But well, no, other than that, no. <laughs> should we move on to review then? Chapter 2, War of the Santarans. During the Crimean War, the Doctor discovers the British army fighting a brutal alien army of Santarans, and Yaz and Dan are thrown deeper into a battle for survival. What is the Temple of Atropos? Who are the Mori? I expected a third. Uh, yeah, I did too. It didn't sound and like it was going to just end there. <laughs> just two questions. <laughs> Dun, dun, dun! Yeah, me too. I absolutely yeah. loved this episode. And it, it's so good. Um, if it if it suffers from anything, it suffers from maybe leaning too much into the temple stuff. But it didn't go far enough that I was turned off by it. Thinking, okay, I guess what I mean is, I wanted more of the 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 Santaran story. Although we got a good chunk of it. Don't get me wrong. They focused on it. But I really kind of was feeling like, let's just focus on this. And let's keep, you know, let's keep Dan and, and Yaz and the Doctor together for a little bit. So we can kind of build a dynamic with them. Because we don't, I mean, we, we have a dynamic between the Doctor and Yaz. But we really haven't kind of learned much about uh, Dan yet. And how, you know, he's going to work in, in this little, the, the group. And so I was a little disappointed that they all got separated again. It just felt like one of those, okay, we've got to give people stuff to do. And they do it well. And I think Yaz gets, you know, uh, an, an arc here. Not enough. I'm still wanting more Yaz. But uh, Dan certainly gets an arc. And I absolutely loved his parents. They were so <laughs> funny. So good. Oh, I love them. And I continue so much. to like Dan a lot. Yeah, too. I do too. He's so, so cool. We didn't um, mention last week about his bigger on the inside moment, which I yeah. thought was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, different take Just on the inside. Obviously. <laughs> I can see that. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I was, when we, when we dispatched or we ended the story of the, the Santarans and the Santarans were dispatched from both you know, locations in time. I sort of thought that that, we, that was going to be the end. That's where everything would wrap up, and there maybe be a little, um, uh, you know, a, a bit of a cliffhanger. How are we going to get everybody back together? Kind of thing. I did not expect everybody to end up at the temple and them to have another, you know, fifteen minutes of that story starting. Um, yeah. So uh, that that was again. I wasn't put off by it, but I kind of felt like we didn't need that because you didn't give me much happening there, other than this, you know things broken these quantum lock, locked um whole keepers of time that's another thing that i i i'm a little hesitant a little weary i like the concept of the planet time and the temple of anthropos but how many things do we have that are necessary <laughs> to regulate time <laughs> I and mean, we've got we've got keys to time we've got uh, uh the 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 uh black guardian the white guardian we've got you know for the balance we've it's we've got all of this stuff that it's and then we've got like carnivores and and or not carnivores uh uh or whatever they're called and uh vortosaurs that's it and uh reaper not reapers yeah reapers yeah reapers that you know basically are are time <laughs> exterminating you know fixing i don't know the there's just it, it, yeah it just seems like there's so many of these really large scale 
hey, oh no, time doesn't work this way. This is the this is the actual keeper for time. Or no, no, this is the actual you know mechanism which time runs through. I feel like we're getting a lot of that, but I'm 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 just gonna sit back and kind of let that go and and, and enjoy that ride. Um, yeah, it, it it felt a little bit more kind of like the setup for okay, this is going to be part of the bigger ongoing flux story aspect of things. Yeah. Um, and as part of the establishment, I kind of expect a explanation or headcanon eventually of, well, this was established because Gallifrey's gone sort of situation. Mm, yeah, I guess so. I was about to say, no, it's not. It came back. But yeah, then it was but now destroyed, it's gone again, destroyed again by, <laughs> by the master. I had forgot about that. I, yeah, I, I, I'll be interested to see where they go with that. So I, um, this episode made me very angry. Why? Because. In a good way or a bad way? Well, both. Uh, this is possibly the best episode of Jody's run. It is that good. It is, it is, it is, it is despite the fact that it's part of a larger whole. The, the, the story itself was exciting. The um, companion dynamics worked. There was enough for people to do, despite the fact that it's really stuffed with characters. That we have a you know a, a guest star of the week, uh, uh, you know, come in with the doctor, and that we have Dan doing his thing with his parents, and we have Yaz meeting up with um, the new guy, um, whatever Cinder. his name is. Cinder. Oh yeah, no, it's not Cinder. Vin- Vinder. Vin- Vinder. 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 Not Grey Worm. <laughs> not, not, yeah, not Grey Worm. Yes, not Grey Worm. So uh, you know, there's a, there's a lot going on in this episode, and yet I, I think the the added length helped that out immensely mm. with being able to tell the story. I didn't realize how much I missed Santarans. Mm-hmm. You know, just seeing that, and and quite honestly, the 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 old school makeup worked so well for me. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, I, I, I don't, cause I really enjoyed the redesign. I thought to myself, oh, if you're going to take a, a classic monster and bring them back, that's the way to do it. You know, they, they look great, but the, the, the new one or the old ones didn't look out of place at all no, on I, the show, I which was agree. super impressive. Well, and, and, and they're not even so much, they're, they're almost a new design on the old design because they're, they yeah. don't have like the, the, the nasty whiskery stuff. And they're not they're, they're they're a little more polished, but they still have that classic Santarin look. Yeah, and no ear hair. Is Squatton's yeah, no ear wished hair. that the new versions had to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we still got Dan Starkey, you know. So that that was that was a yay moment. Um, and then you sold it. I mean, quite honestly, you had me at hello because you put a Santarin on a horse. <laughs> <laughs> that was like Planet of the Apes, right there. That was just, that was. Yep, I I don't care what you do with the rest of this episode. I am on board. I am here for this. So it was just it was so. And then the great. later revelation that he chose the Crimean War just because he wanted to be on a horse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so much. Take that moment and defang it. I loved it. It was great. But so it, it had all of that, and then I thought to myself. Will the real Chris Chibnall please stand up? <laughs> because if you're capable of writing something like this, where have you been the last two years? <laughs> it made me furious that Jody had been subjected to such subpar writing for so much of her run when this was waiting in the wings that we could have had more like this. And it was, I don't know. It was just really frustrating. But I'm trying to focus on the positives. Uh, I tell you, though, Sean... Chibnall has not written a good chunk of the series, and I've been saying all along that yeah. it's not his writing; it's him not being able to rail in his writers. That's the problem. Or, or commit the rewriting. Well, yes, absolutely. We're not having because the time uh, to obviously, do the you know, obviously RTD and Although Stephen Moffat he, tinkered with probably all of the scripts that came in. That's just it. He's he's playing showrunner. He's not playing script editor. Where in the past we've had two showrunners and producers that have also acted as script editors as well. And I just don't think Chibnall was doing that. And I think that that is to his fault and to his detriment, but it just gets so frustrating when people blame his writing when he's, when he's written some good stuff, some of the stuff he's written in the Rosa was his, I mean, it's just, yeah. those, those are the, the good stories are his. I, 
Anyway, I'll stop. I'll get off my And I think I, I don't know about all of his previous shows, but I know at least Broadchurch, he wrote every single episode. Yeah, yeah. Spyfall, another, another two-putter that he wrote. We both, we all enjoyed that one. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. So, sorry. <laughs> no, I, like I said, it's just, I'll, I'll blame Chip, Chibnall, the showrunner then, because it's like, well, why, why are you, you, you have one job. It has many hats, but you have one job, and that's put out, put out a good show. And if you're getting writers that are turning in subpar work, you you need new writers. That's your job as the showrunner to say, you know what, this isn't working. And sometimes you step in and write it, and sometimes you, you know, can the episode and come up with something else. I, I, you know, I, I understand there's time limitations and budgets and on and on and on. There's many, 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 many moving parts to a show, especially a show that's as complicated as Doctor Who is. But uh, this to me is him firing on all cylinders and doing it right. Mm-hmm. So I, that to me was was just, just super impressive. Um, I thought the performances across the board were great. Um, again, the makeup and effects were just uh, phenomenal. Uh, all the guest star stuff worked really well. I have a theory uh, that I would be curious to know what you guys think. I believe, based on this temple of uh, Adra, whatever it is, Atropos. temple of the Adra- Adropos, mm-hmm. isn't that the fat babies? Atropos, 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 like like atrophy, but Atropos. Ah, okay. Um, I think my theory is that. You know, we, we've plugged the companions in as temporary placeholders for these things and that they are holding back the, the, the natural flow of the time. I, I think the swarm, I, I think, is in some way time embodied. I think that's what mm. they meant by the when they when they refer to the doctor, and, you know, our constant battle. Sure. That mm. you have been, you know, battling against time. Uh, for for your entire run, and now I finally have caught up with you. I think quite literally is where they're going with it. Uh, okay. And I that think the temple is meant to be kind of this stopgap prison to prevent swarm from getting out. Well, it and, does and it, running rampant and causing the the entropy of the war. Of the they universe. specifically say the Mori have been holding back time, preventing it from running wild and causing destruction. Yeah, which can be applied to everything you've said. Yeah. Now, here's where I think this might suffer just a little bit. I am willing to bet a paycheck that the concept of plugging a companion into this thing was specifically done for the return of Captain Jack. I think that's why we got teased with him so much last Mm. season and Mm. that this would have been an ongoing he would have been a through line through this and it probably would have culminated. I'm going to, I'm going to go out on a further limb and speculate a little bit. It probably would have culminated in a way in Chibnall taking that piece off the board that captain Jack would be stuck taking the place of the moray and that he can handle it because he can die and come back and die and come back and die and come back. So there's nothing that time can do to him, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with all the power of the you know, universe coursing through him. Mm-hmm. And that allows Chibnall to kind of remove him for a while so that, you know, the fans aren't going, well, when are you going to bring captain Jack back? Well, he's busy. Yeah. Kind of the same way we wrote canine out of the Sarah Jane adventures. He's taking mm-hmm. care of the black hole, you know? And of course, when you need him, yeah, you could come up with some sort of. So who was the Wobby thing? To, do you suppose it was vendor? I was think it, Vendor was, was written think, in as a substitute I, character. I would assume Yaz was probably already intended because that puts the oh, a companion yeah. in peril and that, that gives mm-hmm. the doctor motivation. But yeah, Vendor pretty much is a, well, who's this guy kind of thing. So now, I could be wrong because we haven't well, really seen enough of Vendor good, to know what his good, role in all this is. But That's a good hypothesis. That's an interesting theory. Yeah. I also think that I, I, I'm a little torn with Yaz. I like the fact that she's got what would the doctor do written on her hand <laughs> and then does it and it works. Um, you know, are you here to repair? To point. Yes. I, I, <laughs> but, but I got shades of Clara in that when she yes, was, I did doing, too. When she that's was the, doing that in her final series with Capaldi. So, that's the one thing that I kind of feel like yeah. I kind of hope that because I, I, I think, not bringing my, uh, you know, emotions for Clara into it, but I, I think Yaz deserves better than just a repeat of that storyline. Yeah, yeah. I, I, again, it just may be similar enough situation 
that it just sparks that they he may not be going that way with it but i really did have because you know i've i've been a, a clara apologist the whole time and i've i enjoyed her even when she was doing some of that but i've even been very vocal about i think that was the wrong direction to take her character so uh, i hope i don't i hope we don't see that kind of thing happen again well it clara's character went kind of the wrong way with it it'd be kind of cool to see them go the right way with it where you know clara's trying to become the doctor leads to her death yaz trying to be like the doctor if they took it the opposite direction and made her a, a hero in her own right that way you know that would be kind of a, 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 a different twist to it, which would make it a little bit more interesting and feel less like a retread. Look, Clara screwed it up and failed. Yaz is succeeding. That's true. We also have the walk, which is uh, now my new favorite uh, companion prop. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see the uh, post I put on Facebook? With the uh, I, somebody else had posted, I shared it. Um, I was going to ask, did you make that or no, did you find? No, that? I found that somebody else posted. I think uh, Doctor Who Appreciation Society. I think is where I first got it. Uh, I think that was hilarious. The, the the new toy of next year, and it's a walk. In the, <laughs> it's in the Doctor Who packaging. I think that's a great Dan's walk. <laughs> I was really intrigued by. Oh, oh, here uh, there was another thing that bothered me about the episode, and I, I know that this was the last thing that that I didn't necessarily like is and if this happens again i think i'll probably get even i'll I'll probably dog on a little more next week but we have this terrific cliffhanger ending last week Ooh, what's going to happen how are they going to get out of this and then we just start the episode with them waking up on the battlefield and Mm -hmm. well jody number first we've got the doctor having the vision of this this really cool rickety floating house um which a lot of people are already speculating that it's lungborough which is the you know the 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 doctor's uh house and legacy but i don't know that chibnall will go that route although he did go morbius doctors last season so maybe this will be something he's he's gonna (laughs) dig up as well but um but that you know, the, the, there was that, and, that, and the, the the visual visualization of that was very well realized. I enjoyed that, but I did. I was a little frustrated by, oh, that was a quick, easy way of getting us out of the situation. Situation having the TARDIS, you know, oh well, the TARDIS must have gotten us out of it and, and put us. Yeah, here. and the fact that the characters didn't even know how they survived. Yeah, so exactly, like, and and so okay. I I was a little bit okay. I'm gonna give you a pass this week because. You've got a lot of other good stuff that you're setting up, and and the rest of the episode was so enjoyable. But I had that moment of, oh, why did you have to cheat there? Show us how we got out of that situation. But and if they do it again next week, because they've they've given us another, oh, how do we get out of this cliffhanger? And if it's just a, you know, snap your fingers and oh, we, we fixed it in the first minute of the next episode, then I, I got I have I'll have a problem with that. But that again, that's my only other my only other niggle with that because I thought it was. Again, the, the I, I've, I've been trying not. Terrific. I've been trying not too much to, you know, try to buy into the the multiverse idea of what they're trying to do. But there definitely were hints in that here, and the the opening of you know them just surviving somehow and being on this battleground kind of makes lends to that that also in the fact that they you know they didn't know where they were. Um, and I think that's part of why the the redesign for this the Santarans. I think it's not just uh, because I should, and it's let's let's see what we can come up with. It it, it feels like there's definitely a a reason for the redesign of the uh, Santaran, and uh, especially when they wind up saying Santar Ho instead of Santar Ha. I wondered if that was maybe to reflect the failure of the subordinate because they do say Santar Ha earlier when they're marching into battle, like it's a normal battle cry and that this is now a, uh, you know, an execution. I'm showing you mercy because you failed. Santar Ha Ho is probably shame. Yeah. Santar Ha is pride. Okay. That's true. We don't, we don't talk about Santar He. That's just (laughs) (laughs) him. Or Santar Hai. Yeah. that's, That's a whole other kettle of fish there. Uh, but yeah, I, no, there was just so much oh. that that worked for me in this episode. And I can even kind of excuse the, you know, get out of jail free card with the, the cliffhanger 
because that's, you know, that's Doctor Who. We always set up a cliffhanger and then very quickly get out of it <laughs> in, the, in the next episode. No, but usually it's when a we classic quickly, Who thing, not but, a new Who but, thing. Yeah. But, but even then, when we quickly get out of it, there's at least most of the time, not always, most of the time there's a we see how it happens or there's a logical conclusion to it. Now, it may not be as satisfying and it may not be as, as epic as the way they got into the situation, but we do get, we don't get the, just throw them somewhere else and wake up and go, Oh, uh, that we got, we were rescued off screen. That didn't, that's not something that happened very often, even in classic. Yeah. And I mean, they did kind of drop the line about, well, the TARDIS, you know, bounced off the, the flux and got thrown un- in the, under the shield right at the last second, which apparently is also when the Santaran fleet came in. Right. Um, so that, that must've been a very busy traffic Again, way. Though, that's very, <laughs> that's very hand wavy. So I just, it I, is hand wavy. I'll, 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 I'll forgive it this week, but now I, I will counter with saying the setup for the cliffhanger for this week is whoa. Yeah. Because yeah. not only do we have the countdown, and the, we're going to do this and this is what's going to happen. And you're expecting the music swell and then, you know, fade to black, but you actually, we get one and then there's, I, I don't remember who says what, and then there's actually the snap. You hear yeah. the, the, the sound yeah. effect at the end of the, and I was like, <gasps> you're going to end it there. Um, and then of course we get the next time on who trailer, which clearly shows everybody made it out of that. <laughs> right, quite frustrating. Right. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna We're quit. all in a different I, area. I'm going to quit watching that silly thing because that happens every time. We've we've complained about that since New Who came back, but yeah, it just ugh, anyway. But no, there were. I thought there were two really good cliffhangers in this episode. The one um, right before the the stinger for the title sequence, and then the one at the end. I thought both yeah. of them were very good, very well done, very effective. Agreed. Um, yeah, I love the callback to Jinx or uh, Links. No, Jinx. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Links. Link, links. Yeah. Back to Links. Yeah. yeah I like the callback to Links uh, from the Time Warrior. Uh, that was that was neat, especially since he is and, and Keith's multi uh, verse theory aside. I kind of presumed that the that the uh, uh, Santarans were well yeah were because there are several different batches of them and they've talked about that and that's why there are variations in the different clones because they're not all one clone they're all clones of of a clone of a series of clones and so that's why I've always sort of felt that there were different factions and, and batches and so it made sense for this guy to call back Jack uh, yeah Jack no uh, who's Skak this guy was Skak to call back Skak. to Lynx because I had a feeling they were kind of from the same batch or the same faction or whatever. Um, so that was cool. The other thing that I really liked was I liked that they're addressing now the, the doctor is now finally addressing the fact that there's something wrong with the TARDIS and she's, mm-hmm. she's, she's at least verbally said something to the TARDIS that, you know, she's going to have to figure out what's going on here. And what I really, really liked was when she tried to go back to the TARDIS to find Yaz and Dan, <laughs> and there was no door, and she kept walking around. And the reason I like that so much is because there's this, that was a really cool concept from uh, one of the, the uh, uh, Virgin New Adventure novels, which was the first time Crucible, or uh, the first uh, Cat's Cradle story arc, uh, Time's Crucible, there is a moment where Ace and the Doctor are, I think they're at a restaurant or something, and they sense a, a glitch in time. Something's happening. And so they pursue this silver cat back to the TARDIS, and when they get back to the TARDIS, they, they, where the door should be, it's not. And the Doctor continues to walk around. And in that, it's described that the door keeps shifting to in front of him to the side that he's not on. But that imagery of her walking around really gave me a better imagery of my mind of the seventh <laughs> doctor doing that as well and walking around and not being able to get in so i kind of wondered if that was something that might have been you know that that specific uh element of it was maybe borrowed from that that book because that was a mark platt that was one of his big um kind of high-minded concept books that he wrote in it for the series so so that was a cool neat. way to keep the TARDIS out of action yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. It was just like, oh, that's very clever. Is that it's not just, oh, it fell out of the bottom of the cargo hold and it's floating around in Earth's oceans somewhere. Yeah. I guess we'll go back and get it later. <laughs> <laughs> she has to deal with what's in front of her in order to go take care of everything else. So, 
a clever way to handle that. There was a bit of a Green Death callback when General Logan blows the ship up um, as they're taking off, which also harkened to the Christmas invasion when Harriet Jones calls Torchwood to blow up the Sycorax ship as it's retreating as well. So mm-hmm. that was kind of a nice call to both of those those incidences too. That you know, Even just, a little bit to uh, the Silurians. Humans are, yeah, absolutely. Humans are just crap sometimes <laughs> man that logan guy was just unlikable yeah he was he was and but i, 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 I love the way that the 13th doctor really handled him and often put him in his place and i think that, that yeah that was one of those times that i really felt like she had a good handle on how the doctor would handle somebody like that uh, i thought that was really really well done um, and the crazy, the crazy thing about now, I knew Mary Sequel was going to be in this for the last week or two, but the crazy thing about this is I had just a month or so ago read an article on Mary Sequel about how, who she was and that she, you know, went to the front line because she was, she was disgusted with the fact that there were the, 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 uh, people that were, were injured on the front lines were having to be whisked back behind the lines and, and miles and miles and miles away from the front lines in order to get any sort of medical treatment. And often the reason that she went out there was because often when they were being transported back, they would die en route. And she decided that she had enough of this and she was going to go out and she built uh, hotel Britain and she, or she had soldiers help her build hotel Britain. And that was where she worked out of. And she, she was the only nurse in the whole place. No one else came out there. I think she actually was a charge under Florence Nightingale, uh, who so she was like, kind of that was her chain of command. Nightingale was a a, a little higher than her, but uh, but yeah, she worked out there by herself. And in fact, that's she's the reason they believe why. Uh, the medics are basically she was the birth of the medics on the front line that would that would have the mm-hmm. first line triage and get the wounded basically, uh, you know, settled and and, you know, uh, taken care of so that they could be taking back somewhere else and giving, you know, proper uh, medical treatment. So and I had just I, it was weird because I just read this article about her and think, oh, this this woman's really interesting. And then, boom, she pops up in a Doctor Who episode. And I was like, wow, this is really neat. <laughs> and they characterized her great. She, she was did. such a likable and so someone to really root for. Absolutely. And her and the doctor had great chemistry together. And I loved her compassion that she, you know, the, the general didn't like it, but she had even one of the Santarns mm-hmm. in the back, you know, that had been wounded and was taking care of him. Um, I thought that was kind of neat, showing her compassion for anybody that was hurt, regardless of the fact that there's a war going on. Much to like. Yeah. And uh, what's his face? Carvernista coming back to save yeah. the day. I didn't expect uh, that. I kind of wondered. Halfway save the day. I kind of, yeah. I kind of wondered how they were going to get uh, Dan out of that situation, especially when he they break communication with the doctor and the Santarans realize that he's there. I kind of wondered how they were going to get him out of that situation. So it was it was a pleasant surprise when Carvinista showed up. It was such a yay moment. It wasn't just a pleasant surprise. It was a, I wanted to come off the couch and cheer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the dog's back. You know, it was. <laughs> I love the line. I've still got a human in this fight. You're welcome, yeah. idiot. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love their, uh, their back and forth. Yeah. I, I would be totally okay if at the end of this, uh, Dan winds up going and traveling the universe with his Wookiee <laughs> sidekick. Uh, you know, I, 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 yes, I would be totally okay if Carbonista relocates to Earth and hangs out in the backyard. <laughs> I'd be all right with that too. Dime store Han Solo and uh, Dollar Store Chewbacca. I, yeah, honestly, I think what I want is I, I now want a spinoff of their life after who, <laughs> but because he would be the ultimate Snoopy, you know, Dan would come in and go, so you want to go toss the old Frisbee around? And he would just be sitting at the table, reading the paper and look up at him like, dude, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> Quit insulting me. Yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. <laughs> More of these guys. Cause yeah, Dan is, Dan is such a fun character. You know, oh, we're, you're going to go blow this up. What makes you think I know how to do this? 
but then yet he still rolls with it and just goes does. and does it. When he yeah. takes the initiative, you know, with, with his parents. So with his parents. You know, I got to yeah. go in here and take care of this sort of situation because no one else can. So I'm going to do it. And to video it all the way in. Yeah. You know, we, we, we've got a whole generation of companions that have to have galactic long distance. And yet Dan's the first one to use the phone and <laughs> re- record vital statistic data with it. And it's you like, s- you see how he held yeah. the phone too? He held it horizontal. He, he held it horizontally. <laughs> Correctly. Yeah. Just everything Dan did was just raising him in my estimation of the man. You know? <laughs> then he did that. It was like, oh, yeah, I he, couldn't love you more. He's from our era. Had it been Yaz, <laughs> it had been up and down. So it been vertical. <laughs> and I, I'm still getting uh, Mad Fraser vibes off, off Dan. He's 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 very uh, he's very Jamie McCrimmon. I don't know why. <laughs> Just I, I, th- I think it's that role with it. I, I think it's do. that same. <laughs> so far out of its depth, but yet I, we're just gonna. This is the hand I've been dealt. <laughs> yeah, I still still didn't quite get that, but I still don't see it. You're nuts, I tell you. Put Dan in a kilt. <laughs> uh, um. I love that he was confusing when the doctor kept saying temporal <laughs> or no, it was when he said he heard tempera tempera. And he's like, what do they want with sushi? <laughs> and the doctor's like, are you sure they didn't say temporal? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> the language barrier. <laughs> it's the same language and they've got a language barrier. <laughs> temporal. Uh, you know, what do they, what do they from- want with sushi? <laughs> He's from Liverpool. That's like a whole different thing. <laughs> uh, although all the more uh, 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 fitting that he was running around with a walk. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I, I kind of like what, even though I, I felt like there was a little too much in this episode, I kind of like where they're going with Swarm and Azure. Um, they are genuinely creepy. And now we've got Passenger, this big, the muscle looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I I like where we're going with that because I I think their performances are are what's really engrossing me. I, they're they're genuinely creepy and scary, and I, they're they've so far without having done much, they're very interesting characters, and I like that. Not not knowing anything about them, but being very invested in okay, who are these people? So and Swarm in particular is very charismatic mm-hmm. without being a scenery chewing villain. I agree. He, yeah. he owns whatever scene he's in, which is very impressive, I think. Yeah. Well, and they, I think they included just enough of them in the story to not so much just as a reminder, but it moves the plot forward so much, but it's not so much that it overpowers everything else that happens in the story. Yeah. It was just the right balance. Um, I had something and now I've lost it. My brain derailed. Well, what are our closing thoughts before we wrap up our review? I, I, I maintain it's probably the best episode of Jody's era. <laughs> I had so much fun with this. I laughed. I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, you know, the, the Suntaran battle scenes. I suppose you could nitpick a little bit with the overhead CGI shot, but it's for Doctor Who, that was impressive. Um, I guess you know. I didn't notice. Was it, was it dodgy? No, I just, it, 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 I, I think... I think Maybe. doing an overhead shot as opposed to being down on the ground. Well, just the the fact that they did it in 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 my mind is impressive because it, it this how do you do an army of Suntarns in Doctor Who? I mean, what's the most they invaded Gallifrey with what like six guys? <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, so you know the fact that we got that is kind of like yeah, this this is Suntarns in battle on a horse. Okay, <laughs> you know, just. It was also great having the Santarans be fairly competent. I mean, mm-hmm. if it weren't for, you know, the doctor, they would have totally succeeded in this yeah. plan. Yeah. yeah, we do get a little bit of a comic relief once the once the walk really comes into play and just how <laughs> bonk and they go down. <laughs> just but, I mean, that's how they were in the classic series too. Yeah. I mean it's it's not the amount of comic relief that Stephen Moffat had the Sontarans at a level at by the time we saw them last. Yeah, no, it, it wasn't laser grenades and uh, no, 
or acid grenades and laser monkeys, whatever. And the, just talking heads because of an invisible tank or whatever they were in. <laughs> I'd forgotten about the tank. Uh, it, it, these these sometimes were actually menacing, which yes. was nice. All right, well, shall we uh, throw out our mystery word of the week, our code word of the week? Code word of the week. Once again, you can get to us on social media and send us the word probic, P-R-O-B-I-C, as in a probic vent. And that will get you entered as a, uh, or if you've already entered, it'll get you another entry to win our fabulous prize of epic game show proportions from our friends at Looney Labs, a game Doctor Who Flux that we have a copy of to give away to tie in with Doctor Who Flux that's currently on our screens. One minor correction. Do not reach out to us on social media this time. This time you're going to reach out to us on feedback at travelingthevortex.com. Oh, that's right. We changed it. Email us that that word or the so far the group of words that we have, uh, or the two words uh, that we have so far, and uh, to get entered to win. So, yeah, make sure you send it to feedback at travelingthevortex.com. I stand corrected. (laughs) Well... Uh, of course, what do we got coming up with the schedule, Sean? Well, coming up next on the schedule is More Flux, Once Upon Time. Episode 3 will be uh, out and on our screens next week, and we will re- be here to review it for you. And I don't know if you guys had seen that they did drop the title for Episode 4. Well, I haven't. No, I hadn't seen yes, it. Yes, I did see that. Village of the Angels. Ah. I, uh, one, would, one would presume. When I saw... <laughs> When I saw the uh, the title last week, my first initial thought was, well, you should have had Grammarly check that because you've got it once upon time. And then my second thought was, oh, I think they cleverly did that. And then my third thing was after I saw the episode this week, I went, oh, that makes much more sense now. <laughs> <laughs> that comma that is very important. Sense. Yeah, well. And, and the fact that the planet's called time, so it makes more sense now. All right, well, sure, be sure to check out our website, TravelingTheVortex.com, for updates on this podcast and any new releases. And you can go back there and check out our uh, back catalog if you're uh, so inclined. Uh, we have all of our shows posted on there, ones that you may not be able to access because they're old enough on some of the uh, podcast aggregating sites. Uh, you can find everything all the way back to day one on our website, TravelingTheVortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some back into it? Uh, you can do that by uh, clicking on that Patreon link, Patreon link on our website and consider supporting us and becoming a patron. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you do subscribe to, your po- to this podcast. Uh, that helps bump us up in the ratings and the recommendations. And make sure that you join in the conversation on our listeners forum on Facebook. If there's nothing else to touch on this week, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.